0: And in honor of God's word, we stand as we read, and we're going to read verses 17 through 32 here out of Psalm 119. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes." Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Do not put me to shame. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. And Father, we pray even now that you would speak to our hearts Through these verses, these uh, 16 verses that we're going to be covering this evening, these two stanzas in this beautiful psalm, which emphasizes the, the, the glories and the wonder, the excellencies of your word. And so, Lord, do your work. We ask for your spirit to be poured out upon us, that he may give us the understanding that we need and the wisdom to know how we can apply these truths to our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy toward us, and we ask it all in our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You guys may be seated. As we begin here in verse 17, this is, of course, according to the third letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Gimel. Uh, and the fourth is Daleth, which we see uh, beginning uh, in verse 25. And as I had shared with you last week, and um, I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, are already aware of this, this uh, 119th Psalm is a Psalm that is broken uh, out into, broken down into 22 different sections, each one headed by a letter of the uh, Hebrew alf- alphabet, and the very first Hebrew word. In that particular section is that particular letter uh, of the alphabet. Uh, And so we call it an an acrostic psalm. This is one that uh, uh, is written in praise of God's word and, and the excellencies of his word, the benefits that the word of God brings to us, the protections that it brings to us, the guidance that it gives to us, everything that that it is we find here in this 119th psalm. So as we begin tonight in verse 17, the psalmist writes, Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. We'll just take a look at these uh, these several verses and continue on. But he opens up here in this particular section, crying out to the Lord for, for grace that God would grant to him as a servant, as God's servant, long life. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Uh, Bless me, deal bountifully, uh, might the bounties of your grace be poured out upon me. That I may live, and the the whole idea is long life so that the word of God can be kept, the word of God can be honored, can be obeyed for that entire long lifetime. It's the idea the longer I live, the longer I have the privilege and honor to receive your word and obey it. That's kind of the idea that that we have here. Not not a long life so that we can have greater enjoyment. Not a long life so that I can finally have that mansion on the hill. Not a long life so that anything else other than, as the psalmist writes, I may live and keep your word. That, That is the psalmist's desire that that would take place. And recognizing the fact that it, it is only according to God's grace that we will live a long life. It's only according to God's grace that we live at all, right? It, it's, it's it's by His grace and by His mercy that we woke up this morning and received, you know, a, another breath. You know, did you wake up this morning as, as you awakened and say, "Hey, I'm still alive. Thank you, Lord." As you get older, you kind of start doing that, <laughs> you know, But uh, and, and I can't say that I did that this morning, I can't, but it, it is true, but it doesn't matter if you are seven years old, 77 years old, 107 years old, seven months old, every human being takes a breath each morning, in fact, each moment out of the grace of God, because he's the one who gives us life. Amen. And so we we ought to be thankful for that. And as as he writes about this, this this desire to be able to live and to keep God's word, it's written in such a way as if like, this is his, um, this is his joy. This is, you know, his purpose in life certainly, but he finds joy in that. You know, and we, we might ask ourselves that question, you know, do, do I have that kind of joy in receiving God's word and the privilege of having it, the privilege of being able to read it, the privilege to hear it, and the added privilege of obeying it, you know, recognizing from which it from whence it comes. It's the Word of God. Came from heaven above, didn't it? You know, and and so the Word of God is just so amazing for us. Do we find that kind of joy in having it so that we have the privilege of applying it to our lives? It's a privilege to apply it to our lives because it is the Word of God, but then even as we do apply it to our lives, we find the incredible blessings of doing that. Incredible blessings of walking in the word of God. Psalm 9114, first part of that, says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. This is God speaking uh, of, of us. And then in the 16th verse, with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. In that psalm, we see that the Lord says that the person who has set his love upon God is going to find that God will deliver that person and will also find that God will satisfy that person with long life. Now, that, that, that's a general truth. It doesn't work every time. There are people who, who, who have uh, loved the Lord fiercely and lost their lives in their 20s or even in their teens. So it's not an automatic thing, but we do find that the Lord does bless us in those ways. Certainly, he shows us his salvation as we love him. In verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. It it just caused me to think of the song that we have sung so many times, open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus, right? They're very familiar words to us. Here we see the psalmist writing, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. And, and as I was thinking about this, is this idea of, of the song that we've sung for, for so many years? And what this verse actually says is like, Well, y- y- you know. I don't think that there's a more wondrous thing that we can find in Scripture other than Jesus himself. You know, he is a wonder, isn't he? And, and so, yeah, I, I think that's very consistent even with that song that we sing. John 5, 39, we see Jesus speaking to the, uh, to the Jews. He said, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. The scriptures testify of Jesus, which means that even as we're reading Psalm 119, written some 3,000 years ago or so, if it indeed was written by King David, which many believe uh, he did. We, we talked about that last week a bit. Um, we are... Seeing Jesus revealed through these passages, and it's interesting that we just look at these these verses, and we're able to see how it applies to our Lord Jesus. You know, even the the opening of our eyes to see Jesus in the Word. Now, the psalmist didn't specify Jesus, but wondrous things from the law certainly. As something that we find there. We also are seeing the acknowledgement for our need for God to give to us understanding. The Holy Spirit has been given to us for the purpose that our eyes might be opened to see the wondrous things from the Word of God. He is our teacher, as we see in John 14:26. Jesus is speaking here on that night before he was crucified in the upper room. Uh, he, in the upper room before he was crucified, that's a better way to say that. Um, verse 26 says, but the helper, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And, of course, God is very aware of the fact that we need his help in order to understand him, in order to understand his, his word. And so he gives us his Holy Spirit to give us that understanding. And as I've said many times, it's the coolest thing to be able to read Psalm 119, which has been inspired by God's Holy Spirit in the heart of the writer. We'll go ahead and say King David. In his heart, writing these things, and then we're reading it 3,000 years later. And the same Holy Spirit who gave this to him to write down, and we're reading it, we can ask him who's here with us, resides within us, what it means. Understanding that that's part of the thing, that's part of the role that for, for which he's been given to us by God the Father to give us understanding, to open up the eyes. Of our hearts, and so he and he does that, and so we gain understanding by the Holy Spirit of God. He's our teacher. I don't know how many times I've heard people say something along the lines that you know I tried to read the Bible, I tried to get into the Word, I I I, I just couldn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. I would read it and say, like, "What? What? You know, it didn't." But once I received Jesus, then I began to understand, well, voila, right? I mean, I wonder why. Well, obviously, the Holy Spirit. The teacher of God's truth, who is the spirit of truth, has taken residence in your heart, and that's why you can read with greater understanding. Now, we don't re- we don't understand everything at once. You know, I've been reading the Bible for over 50 years now, and I certain, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things. is like the longer you walk with him, the lo- longer you're reading the Bible, the more you under, you the more you understand that you don't understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's just, it's just one of those things. Yet, there's so much that the Lord has provided understanding to me for. So, uh, it, it's just a, an interest. Uh, uh, it's just an incredible, incredible blessing. Now, Jesus said to the apostle Paul, as Paul is quoting Jesus, this is out of Acts 26, uh, when, when Paul, you'll remember that in that chapter, uh, he was giving his, his testimony to uh, King or the, the governor Felix, but in verses 17 and 18, as he's quoting what Jesus told him on the day that Jesus interrupted him on that road to Damascus. Verse 17, Jesus said to him, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who who are sanctified by faith in me. I love the way that that's worded. The the Lord laid his hand on the Apostle Paul and he sent him to the Gentiles to open their eyes for this purpose, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, to receive forgiveness of sins, and the inheritance that we've been talking about from 1 Peter, the inheritance among those who are set apart or sanctified by faith in Jesus. Incredible truths of God. Wondrous things. The wondrous things of God himself and all that he is. All those things that God is. These are those wondrous things. Exodus 34 gives us a little example of that. This is that passage after, after the 33rd chapter when Moses spoke to the Lord God and, and asked him to show him his glory. Show me your glory, he said to, to, to the Lord. And so the Lord did this for him. He set him in a cleft of a rock and, and walked by him, put his hand over him. So he would not see his face because he could not see his face lest he would die, as we know. But he removed his hand and he was able to see him after he had passed by. But this is what verses 6 and 7 there in Exodus 34 say. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So we see God revealing himself, revealing his glory, revealing his goodness, he also used that word earlier, as he passed before him, his mercy, his grace, his long-suffering, his goodness, his truth, and because of the mercy, the forgiveness that, 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 that we receive, and his justice, the reality that he doesn't just pass over sin lightly. He sent his son to bear our sin and be our sacrifice. Thus, thusly, we can receive the forgiveness of sin. And so all that God is, and that this is kind of like the tip of the iceberg, but it gives us a really good idea of who he is and what he's like. And verse 19 I'm a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. David is recognizing that he lives in a world that he does not belong, belong in. I'm a stranger. In the earth again, that's something else we've been talking about out of First Peter. In fact, in First Peter two eleven, we see these words Peter writing, "Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul." Sojourners and pilgrims—that's what we are, and that is why. It's a, it's a dangerous thing for us to, to try to fit in, unless you're trying to fit in with the church. Then it is absolutely where we need to be and where we need to try to fit in. We need to fit in there. But, you know, I mean, you know how it is. I mean, we can go places, we can go to, we can go to, to, to work or whatever. And there just aren't um, people around who, who know the Lord, you know. And, but, you know, we want to get along. With you. Maybe we try to fit in with them. That, that's a dangerous thing because we're not supposed to. As a believer, we're not supposed to fit in with people in this world. But I feel like such an outcast. News alert. You are. We are. We are that. In fact, Jesus was that. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But Jesus was indeed an outcast. He was hated by people. I mean, he was hated so much that he was murdered. A mock trial. Railroaded, so to speak. And then a uh, an an, in, an unjust an unjust uh, uh, penalty given to him of death because he was not received, and so we're not supposed to be received either. Even in second excuse me, even in First Chronicles I should say excuse me, in First Chronicles twenty nine fifteen. We see these words, For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. That basically means w- without a future. There's nothing to hope for because there is no future in terms of this earth and this world. So that, that, that's, that's the idea of that. And so, in this 19th verse, do not hide your commandments from me. It's as if he's saying, Lord, you know, while I'm in this land in which I'm a stranger, while I'm in this foreign land, I need you to be with me. I need your direction. I need your hope. I, I need your peace. I need your joy, I need your love, I need you. Give me your word. So that's what he's crying out for. And guys, isn't it true that while living in this world, now, for us as the church, I mean, it's great when we're able to be together, but in the course of a seven-day week, 24 hours each one of those days, how many of those hours are we really able to spend together? You know, we, we have two services a week. That, that, that's only about three hours or so. Then you got the time of fellowship and all that. So, I mean, expand that for maybe a couple hours. Maybe that's five hours during the week. And then you may come on a Tuesday to be with the men's group or the women's group. That, that's another you know, couple of hours there. You may come to a prayer meeting. That's another couple hours there. Um, or in the case of the women, it's, it's just a half hour or so before the service on Sunday morning. And and then there are those weeks where we might have an added event, like the men, we've got the conference this this Saturday. So, So that's another five to six hours right there. But even then, even if it is five, 10, 15 hours a week, that's a relatively small portion. That's a lot for a given week as members of the church to gather with, other, with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. But even then, it's a small part of all the hours in the week. Now, we, we get to spend time with believers at home prayerfully. Some believers don't have that privilege. But if we do, that helps a lot. Obviously. But you get my point. When you go out, you go go to your go to your job, you go to work or whatever, and go to school, whatever it might be, and it's like, you know, these people are different from me. And I feel like a stranger here. If you feel like a stranger there, praise God, God is blessed. Because that's how we're supposed to be, because we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And we are wanting, desiring, even as he tells us to set ourselves aside. He has set us apart. We want to set ourselves apart to become more and more like Jesus. So those are things that are, that are a part of this. Let's go on here. In verse 20, we, we see these words. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. My, 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 my soul is uh, just falling apart. Here, with the idea of wanting and longing for you, longing for your word. Um, In Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2, uh, the psalmist writes, As the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And so here, and, and and rightly so, we see this. We we see that God's self-revelation of Himself through His Word is the means by which we see Him. Here, my soul thirsts for God. He's saying, the other in Psalm forty-two. My excuse my here my thirst my soul thirsts for God's Word. And In Psalm forty-two, it is for God Himself. But we find God through the Word of God, through which the Lord has revealed himself. Jesus said in John 14, 9b, he said these words to Thomas after, after Jesus said in John 14 that you know where I'm going, I'm going away, you know where I'm going, and, and you know how to get there, and Thomas said, wait a minute, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? How can we know? In the second part of 14, 9, John 14, 9, Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? So it's the idea of seeing God even as the disciples had seen God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the living word. And we, through the written word, are able to see him as well, as that word is written upon our hearts. Verse 21, you rebuke the proud, the the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Straying from God's commands brings rebuke from God. And we see that that person is cursed. In Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, cursed is the one who does not confirm all the words of this law. And all the people shall say, Amen. In other words, that's the way it must be. So be it. A person who has not received the truth of God's word is a reproach and is cursed. And we know that that's true. People around us, and and we are around people On a daily basis, if we're out in this world, if we're not a shut-in, we're out in the world, we're around people who are cursed because they do not recognize the Word of God as it is, in fact, the Word of God. And we are to understand that, that reality and in our hearts say, well, that's the way it needs to be. But at the same time, in our hearts, desiring them to come to the truth of God's word, to receive it as it is the word of God, and to be saved through it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Paul writes to the Romans, Romans 10, 17. And so that's what we want. So we want to be a, a conduit of God's person, I mean, his love, his joy, his peace his love, his truth. And that is the work of God's spirit in us that will flow through us that others may see that and that that they may come to faith in the truth of God and faith in God himself, of course. And, And 22, remove the reproach and contempt for I have kept Your testimonies. As a person who kept the Word of God, he was reproached by others. He was um, held in contempt in the sight of other people. And that happens in our world today. One of the things that our culture will not tolerate is the truth of God's word. Right? But if we insist on following it, we will find ourselves in a place where we will not be tolerated either. And be labeled as intolerant because we don't agree with those who don't tolerate us. And you know, it, it's the world that calls good evil and evil good and all that, right? We, we understand that, that spiritual warfare that, 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 that that's going on. But you know what? Um, Jesus was reproached as well. He was held in contempt, seen in, a, in, in that way. Isaiah three three, prophetically speaking, he, speaking of Jesus, is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And that's why he was crucified. That's why that mock trial was held and, and he was crucified. John 15, verses 18 and 19, Jesus speaking to his uh, apostles, again, the night before he was crucified, he said, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And there it is from Jesus. That's why this happens. That's why this happens. So I pray that all of us are given the grace by God. And and, and I think that even as we look at the word of God and see these truths in God's word, and he etches them upon our hearts, you know, he is graciously giving us truth to understand so that we, we, we don't get all hot and bothered about not fitting in with people at work. Now, I don't really have that problem not fitting in with people at work. <laughs> Thankfully. But many of you do. I mean, and, and if you have to go out into the workplace, some some of you may be able to work from home and that's a blessing. Some of you are retired, that's a blessing. But the, the, the point, you, you, get, you see what my point is, though. You're out in the world. You're going to be with people who, who, are, who, who don't love the Lord, not Christians, not a part of the church, don't have the Holy Spirit within them. They're nothing like you. Let's not try to fit in with them. And let's make sure that we identify our relationships appropriately and understand that the place that they have in our lives is as people who need God and we pray for them, we love on them, we evangelize them as the Lord leads us to do so. But those are the things that God would have us to do. We simply do not fit in. And if they reproach us, if they act as if we are despicable to them, Okay. It's okay. Um, Within our own hearts, I pray that we are able to say something like, Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for that. Help me to be an instrument of yours to bring them to you. That's where God would have us be. Verse 23. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. This uh, seems to indicate that the writer is being reproached and attacked himself, even as we saw in, 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 the, in the last verse, but being, a, being attacked here, uh, even by uh, rulers, whether these rulers are within his own country or from another country. If it's King David, it could be rulers who, you know, someone alongside him, beneath him, who's trying to undermine him, or ruler of another nation. We don't know for sure what that might be, but they're speaking against him. But he says here that, but your servant meditates on your statutes. You know, he, he's being attacked, but that's not causing him to stray away from God. You know, when things are rough, let's make sure that we stay in God's word. Let's make sure that we are diligently staying in that place where we are maintaining and cultivating our relationship with Him through the word and prayer and worship and service of Him. It's critical for us. That's when we need to do it more than any time, when it's least convenient to do so. we, we, need, we Sometimes we just have to really work at that. And might might God help us to remain faithful even when it seems like the world is against us. And, And you know what? The world is against us. They are. The words that Jesus spoke earlier, right, would indicate that. Not that we're being picked on on a personal level. It's all for the sake of the name of Jesus our Lord. That's why that takes place. Your testimony is also my delight and my counselors. Your delight and my counselors. You, the, the, the idea of delight is, I mean, we, we can use that word, we hear the word used, but it just speaking about the idea of, of something that's delightful to you, is it brings you an incredible amount of pleasure and joy. Oh, what a delight. You know, one one of the first things I think of in terms of delight, if I'm not thinking about the Lord himself, it's my grandchildren. I see some grandma smiling about that. <laughs> you know? And uh, you guys over here, I mean, you're looking forward to your first, aren't you? You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Um, delight. So, the Word of God brings that kind of joy and that kind of pleasure. Is that where our hearts are at? When we're in God's Word, do we have that kind of delight? And we see here the word the testimonies. God's testimonies are also our counselors. We receive guidance from the word of God, our counselors. You know, anytime that I might get with somebody who, you know, needs some help of some kind, needs some direction, you know, I I don't like to call it counseling. I mean, that's a term that we have in our culture, of course. And then, you know, somebody asks if we do counseling, I'll say, well, yeah, you know, but I I would rather think of it as biblical guidance right? Biblical guidance. I I really think that as Christians, that's where we need to be, you know, to, to be looking into the word of God for the guidance in life that we need. Later on in Psalm 119, verse 105, a very familiar verse to us, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, is that true or not? Do we all believe that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? That God's word will show us the way that we need to, to go and in fact it will light, give us light for every step that we take along that way? Do we really believe that? Then we need to be in God's word to understand, to see these things. And all through the word of God, we find this guidance. So let's move on to the next section here. Daleth, in verses 25 to 32. This is the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And and, and, and this section, we we, we see the the psalmist is, um, well, the the first line. My soul clings to the dust. There's that kind of a theme in this particular section, except for the last uh, three verses or so. But my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Speaks of some kind of suffering. My soul clings to the dust. Um, You you know, whenever a a, a Jewish person at this time was was going through some, some kind of mourning or sorrow, grief, um, somebody was committing something blasphemous, some blasphemous act against God. You know, uh, they they would lie in dust and ashes. You know, they they, they would throw up the dust and so forth. And you know, but but he's he's writing that, that my soul, not not my clothes, not my skin, my soul clings to the dust. So th- there's an incredible heaviness. Some kind of suffering. I'm feeling like I'm dying here kind of a thing. And, and then he writes, revive me according to your word because it is in his word that we find life. It is in God's word that we're going to find life. So revive me, renew me, give, give me life, Lord, through your word. Psalm 143, 11, says, Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. Similar kind of thing that we see there. But here we see him writing that, Revive me according to your word. In Psalm 143, it's, Revive me for your name's sake. Revive me for your righteousness' sake. Guys, you know, if if the Lord is going to revive us from a time that we are so downcast, you know, in our culture, we might call it depression. We would call it depression. If the Lord is going to raise us up from that, it's it's only because of, of who he is. It's about his glory and his honor. Yes, he wants to bring blessing to us. He does want to give us life. But as we see in these verses, according to the word, uh, for, the, for his name's sake, for righteousness' sake. And we understand that th- these, these words are the very words of life. Moses, in speaking to the people of Israel toward the end of Deuteronomy, encourages them to keep the word of God because it is their life. Their life. Jesus refers to himself as the resurrection and the life in John 11. In John 14, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the source of life, isn't he? Well, the technical answer to that is, well, no, he is life itself. He's not the source of life. He is life itself, but we get life from him as he gives himself to us. He doesn't say, here, I'm going to give you life. No, I'm going to give you myself and you will have life. Right? That's how that works. That's how that works. And so, as we see these words, it's something very fitting for us whenever we run into trouble and we're feeling so downcast, our soul is clinging to the dust. Later on we, we we see in verse 28, my soul melts from heaviness. We'll look at that in just a, j- just a moment. Uh, some very similar thoughts actually. Um, but These words colorfully describe how we can sometimes feel in this world, the way the world is going and the things that happen within the world. We live in a broken world filled with a bunch of broken people and there's a bunch of brokenness everywhere. And sometimes we are that way. We feel like we're breaking inside. Well, Spiritually speaking, and in terms of a relationship with Jesus, sometimes that's not a bad thing. Sometimes we need to be broken in order to cry out to really find him at a deeper level, at a more meaningful level. Verse 26, I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. I've declared my ways. I have told you, God, about all my life. My ways, the way I live, things that are going on, what I think, what I've done, you know, and, and all these kinds of things. And not that He needs us to tell Him to know, but He does want us to open up our hearts that way to Him, right? Now, I'm not going to tell God. He doesn't need to know anything. Well, He wants, you, he wants to know that if you know. Well, He knows if you know, but He wants you to know that you know and he wants you to confess. He wants us to confess to him what's going on in our lives. And so so God received it, and he gave answer. And, And the request of the psalmist is, teach me your statutes. The idea seems to be that in declaring his ways, even as God tells us, uh, through Isaiah and Isaiah 55, that our ways are not the ways of God, and His uh, 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 His thoughts are not our thoughts. Right? We we don't have His ways. And as we confess those details of what that means in our own lives, that's what this is talking about. We need to cry out that God will give us understanding of His Word. So that we can live according to his word. That our ways might be changed. That God would be glorified. And going on, verse 27, just kind of a clarification of what he just said. Teach me your statutes. Um, make me understand the way of your precepts. Um, give me understanding by your spirit. Um of who you are and the reason for you giving these precepts. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, you've heard me quote it, if you've been around uh, here for any length of time at all, you've heard me quote it once in a while, Deuteronomy 5.29, in in which God, speaking to Moses about the people of Israel, he gives to him, really, his own motive for giving the law. He he says, Oh, that they, speaking of Israel, had such a heart in them that, that they would obey me always and keep my commandments, that it will be well with them and with their children forever. That's why we have this. Not totally But having this and following it, remember, God said, I wish that they would obey me always and keep all my commandments. Obedience to the commandments causes our lives to go well. Notwithstanding all the spiritual warfare and all that's going on with that, of course, but we're not going to find an abundant life by following the course of this world. We find an abundant life by finding the ways of God. Even in the midst of this crooked generation that we live with, um, among, God is going to bring blessing to us. And so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. I think the psalmist means this. My Lord, I have told thee all. Now wilt thou tell me all? I have declared to thee my ways. Now wilt thou teach me thy ways? I have confessed to thee how I have broken thy statutes. Wilt thou not give me thy statutes back again? I like the way that he writes that. I think that's cool. But as we cry out to him, as we are honest with him, as we are open-hearted with him, we're going to find just a greater sense of intimacy with him, of course. And we will find him to be filled with grace and mercy and loving kindness. And he will give us whatever it is that we need. And with understanding, I will then meditate on your wonderful works. You know, as we get to know the Lord better and we meditate on his works. Now, his works are everything that he's ever done. Those are his works. From the beginning of creation, creation itself, all that he did for Israel, the way that he, he raised up Abraham and and then uh, uh they wound up in Egypt for 400 years. He kept them and grew them up into a, a million, two million. Some say maybe three million people coming out of Egypt. And they went through the prom, they went through the wilderness, and then into the Promised Land. And all that he's ever done, and all that he's ever done for you and for me. And we think about our own personal testimony. All that he did there. Are we sharing with others around us? Are we char- sharing with our? children and grandchildren, are our testimony? To let them know the wonderful works of God in our own life? Our kids and grandkids need to know that God didn't just work in the pages of the Bible. That he's working today, and that he's working in us and for us. They need to know that. And so, as we understand the way that He works, the things that He does, and all, you know, we, we are able to, to 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 make sense more and more of all that He does, all that He has do or has done, and as He continues to do things, maybe we'll get it. But one problem is that there's so much that we don't understand. So much that we don't understand. Lord, why? Why are you doing this? And I've shared with you, I mean, many times by this point, when I would ask the Lord that particular question, that 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 he would remind me, I, I, God's spirit in me would cause me to just kind of step back and say, okay, Lord, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, your thoughts are higher than mine, your ways are higher than mine, there are things I'm not going to get. I just have to receive that, accept that, and 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 I do. I, I've, I've I've learned that. I'm continuing. Well, I'm learning that. It would be a better thing to say. I'm I'm learning that. But that's that's a verse that that's right there. It's almost on the tip of my tongue all the time, because you know. I, it's a lot of things I don't understand. But because I know who my God is, and those things that we shared out of. Uh, Exodus 34 and in seeking to know his ways as we understand his ways better then we can trust him and it's like okay Lord I don't get it I don't understand but it's okay because I know you're in control you're sovereign you're good you're loving all these things so okay okay we we just simply accept that and my soul melts from heaviness Strengthen me according to your word. Psalm 119, verse, verse 28. Here we, we see these words, and uh, in the uh, Amplified Version it says, my, my life dissolves and weeps itself away for heaviness. Raise me up and strengthen me according to the promises of your word. And that's the essence of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 4. Verses 13 and 14, when he begins to approach the the teaching about the rapture of the church. In those verses, he wrote, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. He's talking about my bride right now in that. And others who've gone before us. And there's several in this room that, I, that, that have lost a spouse who've gone to be with the Lord. And they're going to be coming back with him. If the rapture takes place before we go home to be with the Lord. That's going to happen. Seems like it could take place anytime, doesn't it? And so we sorrow with hope because of the reality of the promises of God. We have that hope based on the promises. Verse 29, remove me from the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. You know, acknowledging our own sin nature, basically. Um, and the natural inclination that we have for sin, lying being a part of that. But guys, in terms of lying, I mean, we, we, can, we can have a dishonesty toward other people in ourselves, toward ourselves, not being honest with ourselves. Anyone here ever, ever, ever have a, had a problem just being honest with yourself? We do that. I I think we do that all the time. You know, we need clarity from God's word. That's why. That's why we need that. But, but also uh, dishonesty with God. You know, God directs us somehow, and we'll say, "You know, I'm okay. I'm fine. I don't need to do that." (laughs) You know what I mean? And and we're just our, our hearts are rebellious. We just disobey that's what we are and so he says grant me your law graciously don't don't speak your truth don't speak your 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 word don't don't sh- share with me what you want to do for me don't share with me your, your love for me because I deserve it. Do it graciously. give me your grace and isn't it true that Our reception of the word of God is in itself an act of God's grace. What a blessing it is to have God's word. I've chosen the way of truth, your judgments I've laid before me. Here in these last few verses, there's a series of commitments. Notice this. I've chosen the way of truth, verse 31. I cling to your testimonies. 32, I will run the course of your commandments. So so we we see the psalmist here making these commitments. And might we, at the same time, make those kinds of commitments? Chosen the way of truth. It reminds me of Joshua 24, 15, which says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves yourselves. This day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, the Jordan River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll bet most of us here have a plaque like that up in our home somewhere. That quotes Joshua 24, 15, that last part of it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Verse 31, I cling to your testimonies. Guys, cling to God's truth. Th- this is what the Lord is ta- saying to us. Cling to my truth. You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would suggest to you guys this. You know, you know sometimes we might ha- be going through some kind of an issue. We've shared with somebody, we've asked them to pray. They come to us and say, Well, how you doing? You know, well, I'm hanging in there. I said, No, no, don't just hang in there. Hang on to God's truth. Hang on to Him. Hang on to Jesus, right? Don't just hang in there. Hanging, in, hanging. What are you hanging on to? What, 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 where's your lifeline? Well, if you're hanging in there, what what is it? You're just kind of hanging in midair. <laughs> you're gonna fall. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, hang on to Jesus. Cling to Him. And it's interesting that he uses the same word here. Cling, I cling to your testimonies. Earlier he had said, My soul clings to the dust. I'm going to cl- while my soul clings to the dust, I'm going to cling to you and your truth. God, it is God's truth that gets us through. Isn't it? It's his truth. Again, I've been sharing with you over the last few years, especially since my bride went home to the Lord. You know, it's like God's truth, what he's shown me here, is what has enabled me to remain what I am. Enabled me to be here. Enabled me to be okay. Because I believe what he says. So because of that, it's like, okay. She's with him now. I'm going to be going there sometime in the near future. I'm okay. I'm here. I'll just occupy until he comes for me. And here we are. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of simple. It really is. Not that there's no pain and not that there's no sorrow. and Not that I don't, I, I, I do all that. But when you get down to it, it's like, this is our lifeline. This is our lifeline. And this is what causes us to be steady causes us to be okay, you know, it's just a wonderful, wonderful truth of God. Finally, I'll, I'll run the course of your commandments. I will, for the rest of my days, follow what your word, follow the directions that your word gives to me. And whatever course it is that you've laid out for me, I'll run it according to your scriptures. Whatever my lot in life might be, I'm going to receive it and handle it in such a way that it honors your word. For you shall enlarge my heart. I'll tell you what, guys. This is one case in which having an enlarged heart is a good thing. You shall enlarge my heart. Isaiah 60, verse 5. Look at this. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. Of course, he's writing to, to the, to, to, uh, he's speaking to Israel as the Lord speaks through Isaiah to them. But it's the idea of receiving God's blessing in such an abundance that our hearts swell with joy, you know. Um, Again, that kind of an enlarged heart, that's a wonderful thing. Might our hearts be enlarged with the grace, the abundant uh, um, presence of God himself. And might we enjoy that enlargement in our hearts. And God, we do.